1: The 173rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
0: From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54-53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, no oh, way to where it!
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to recap everything following Carolina's 80-72 defeat to Virginia Tech yesterday in Blacksburg that sent Carolina to its fourth straight loss. Um, As a result, the team actually fell outside of the AP Top 25 today. Um as this season has completely gone really away from the way anybody thought it was gonna go in the preseason, um, and then let alone when the season started. So uh, we're we're here. We're 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 gonna take you through the game and and buddy, this this was a game that I think was I think we thought this game was possible. Like it was very possible that Carolina could lose the game. First off, Virginia Tech's really good. Mike Young's a really good basketball coach. But I think we just shared this inner belief that Carolina was going to respond and be ready to play and play so at at least a different level. I don't want to say high level, but respond to adversity, meet that challenge head-on. And then right as you know, the game was about to come on the air, we got the starting lineups. No Armando Baycott in the starting five for Carolina. And, and they, they missed their big man, and it just really... Was a what what was was just setting the stage for what was going to be another disappointing effort and another frustrating loss for Carolina basketball.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that was the thing. We kind of knew almost immediately that Carolina was in some trouble because they didn't have their big man, and you know the situation around it is is interesting. I, I thought Hubert Davis's comments about it in the post game were. It it, it, it kind of showed you that it caught him off guard. And I don't really know exactly how Hubert Davis feels about it. Um, Carolina could have used him. There's no doubt about that. They didn't have the inside presence. I mean, they went the entire first half without an offensive rebound. When is the last time that you can remember a Tar Heel Team Going an entire half without an offensive rebound It has been a long Long time And you could tell There there was just There was no post presence For the majority of the first half And even in the second half You didn't see much of it from Pete Nance This team No one thought that they would be Where they're at Because they are still struggling To shoot the ball That was something that simply had to be better yesterday if they were going to win, and it wasn't. And they're a team that, as we mentioned, not sharing the ball well, and then when you add in the fact that you don't have that presence inside an Armando Baycott that can pick you up on the offensive glass and really just dominate the defensive boards as we pointed to being a key in this game to initiate the fast break – you saw the issues that Carolina had. Not to mention, I, I, I don't think that we thought Carolina was going to turn it over as much as they did in this game. I thought they would learn from the game against Indiana earlier in the week. I thought that that would be a wake-up call for them in terms of how they were handling the basketball, and it wasn't. And it's honestly shocking that they can turn the ball over as many times as they do, considering they still are not moving the ball well at all. They moved the ball well in the second half, late in that second half when they made the run. But before that, it was the same stagnant offense that we have seen the entire season from Carolina. A little more movement without the basketball, but still incredibly frustrating for Carolina, not to mention defensively. Guys, I mean, Justin Mutz went off, and guys that were e- that 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 were not having great seasons coming in, pretty much got whatever they wanted from beyond the arc.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, I, we're we're gonna give you that audio of Hubert Davis talking about Armando a little bit later in the show. I don't think turnovers were a big factor in this one. Carolina only committed ten of them, and Virginia Tech only scored ten of ten points off of those turnovers. Um it was it was just it was another it was another slow start it, it, it seemed like a team that was uh, you know just just not 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 inspired to play not not ready to play and that was something we really dealt with a lot of times last year but uh, you know it hadn't really been the case this year for the first 30 minutes or so this was a team that you kind of questioned if they cared. Carolina trailed 37-27 to at halftime. The 27 first half points are the fewest they've scored in a half so far this season. And the thing was, was that as bad as they had played in the margin, the game still felt very winnable. Carolina was still right there, it felt like, in in the game. Because Randolph Childress told us that 38,000 times during the broadcast, that they were going to compete and fight and have a chance to win. And the second half starts and Virginia Tech pushes that lead up to to 57 to 39. And I think this is going to be a, a real telling point for Carolina moving forward. We're not a program that is here for moral victories, but when you are where Carolina is right now, you got to find something to build off of. They they closed the game down to 67 to 64. They with with the lineup that we probably hadn't seen a whole lot of this year with Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, uh, Tyler Nichols, Seth Trimble, Pete Nance at the five, and Carolina with its ball pressure just methodically worked its way back into the game. Made it 67-64. to Caleb Love was at the foul line with the chance to make it a two-point game after converting a made shot while getting fouled. He misses it. Virginia Tech goes down and scores. Um, and then Carolina comes back down, so now it's 69-64. And Pete Nance took one of the worst threes I've ever seen taken yep. in, a, in quite a while. And he was rewarded with taking a bad shot, with a bad miss. The ball hit the underside of the rim.
0: Yeah, it wasn't even close. Like, and after he had he had knocked down a couple to during the run to get Carolina back into it, and that one, I, I mean, just not even remotely close. I just, I, I, I could not, I could not believe how bad of a miss that actually was. And I. I Really, I, I thought the miss free throw was, was really what kind of set the tone. Because Carolina, you could have been down two. The, the, the bench was buzzing, but it felt like the miss free throw kind of slowed slowed the roll a little bit. And Virginia Tech comes down. They hit the shots that they needed to at the end of the game. Credit to them. And Carolina couldn't make the shots that they needed to uh, to keep themselves around and give themselves at least a chance at the end through fouling. So a lot of positives, but, yeah, that, that was frustrating at the end for sure.
1: Let's take a look at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. Virginia Tech shot 51% from the field. They were 31 of 61. Meanwhile, for Carolina, they shot 47%, which felt like a step in the right direction. They shot 24 of 51 from the field. Virginia Tech, though, this was probably the biggest disparity in the game. They were 7 of 19 from behind the arc for 37%. Carolina was just 3 of 17 for 18%. Carolina got to the foul line twenty-one or 27 times. They converted 21 of them. Remember, Virginia Tech entered the game only allowing teams to make 5.4 free throws on 8.9 attempts, so Carolina did a good job in that regard. The Hokies, meanwhile, were 11 of 15 from the free throw line. Both teams committed 10 turnovers with Carolina winning the points off turnover battle 14-10. As for the rebounding, Carolina got out rebounded 39-25, 29-21 on the offensive glass, or on the defensive glass, ten to four on the offensive glass, and as you mentioned. Carolina didn't have an offensive rebound until the second half, which is just unfathomable. Second chance points, eight to four Virginia Tech. Bench points, sixteen-twelve Carolina. Points in the paint forty two thirty two Virginia Tech. Fast break points twelve ten Carolina. Blocks five nothing Carolina. Steals five four Carolina. Assists though sixteen for Virginia Tech on their thirty-one made baskets. Carolina with just six assists on its twenty-four made baskets. Um and, and Virginia Tech led for thirty six minutes and fifty seconds. Carolina Met led for a minute and twenty six. Let's now move on to the quote on the game where which we're gonna focus on Hubert Davis talking about Armando Baycott's decision to to not play. Um and 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 here's what the head coach had to say on Armando Baycott's absence for yesterday's game at Virginia Tech.
0: Well, it is his call. I can't make somebody play. <laughs> right. You know, so it is his call. Um, you know, and um, we didn't know until game time. Uh, I was going under the assumption that he would play. And when he came back and he said he didn't feel like he could, then we move forward. It is what it is. North Carolina always shows up. It doesn't matter who's playing or not. We, have, we had enough in the bag to be able to win this basketball game, and, and, and we just didn't do it.
1: I think it's fair to say that, as you said a little bit earlier. First off, Hubert Davis—they completely caught off guard by Amanda Baycott's decision to to not play. No doubt. And you know, as, as as Hubert said, and you heard in that clip, they were preparing for Amondo to play, and he came up and he said that okay, I I I don't feel as if I can play. And Hubert Davis said that you know we move on because North Carolina's got to play regardless. I don't really know what to make of this because Armando Baycott, you know, Wednesday night fought through the pain, fought, and is fighting through an ankle injury, and and I think, I guess the reception would be taken differently if this was Schubert Davis' decision, right? Like with Roy oh, Williams.
0: Oh, 100%, 100%. Like Roy Williams
1: didn't play guys. They would sit out. He wasn't going to risk a college kid's future trying to win a basketball game. Not in December at that. And this goes on the complete opposite, where I guess Hubert was led to believe that Armando was going to play. And when Armando said he didn't feel like playing, I guess there was just no no pushback from Hubert. I don't know what Hubert is supposed to do in that situation, in that scenario, but it does just feel like Carolina or, or that Hubert Davis was in a no-lose situation because it was either you're going to play a guy that was obviously hurt on Wednesday night and you're risking him to get further hurt, but then on the flip side, you know, you, you you can't force him to play. I guess the most troubling part of this is that there appears to be some level of disconnect between the head coach and your best player, and I don't think we thought that was at all an option upon entering the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know... I don't know if I, – I disconnect, I don't know if that's what it is. I, I just – this is a weird scenario. The, the answer from Hubert Davis was odd to me because if there was something that you thought was going to hold him out, you probably would have said – something along the lines of look we were evaluating him coming in he warmed up and he you know he told us that he just didn't think he could go to me when when he said it's his decision and and really when he said that I cannot make a player play that was the th- that was the part to me that really got me thinking and wondering you know was this was this something that like this did the staff look at him and think he's good to go and the doctors told him he was good to go and Armando just said yeah I just I I, I don't I don't feel right and look he's a 100% right you cannot make a guy get out there and play and the other night I mean look maybe the shoulder swelled up a little bit more I'm not sure but I mean, it's a monumental loss for Carolina, and you saw it. Just look at those rebounding numbers, and that was against one of the worst rebounding teams that you will probably face this season. That was a team that came in with two guys that had that were averaging more than five rebounds per game. So this, is, this was not a well-oiled machine that you were playing against by any stretch. On the glass, and, and you saw that Carolina, in an area where they should have been able to dominate without their best player, having to play small, with a guy at the five for the majority of the game in Pete Nance that had struggled with physicality the entire season, had issues the entire night. And you know the hope is at this point, the only thing that you can really do right now if you're evaluating this is just hope that Armando Baycott is close to returning because if not, Carolina is going to lose and lose a lot. So who knows? I, I think, look, there there is I, – I am not saying that I don't think that he is hurt. I definitely think that, that he is – bad. I think Randolph Childress kind of put it best last night on the broadcast. You hope that he is just hurt and that he is not injured because if he is and he has to miss an extended period of time – then caroline i mean this stretch that carolina has coming up this could get really ugly before it gets better
1: the hope i think right now is that hopefully this mini bye week for for all intents and purposes with carolina doing exams and stuff like that will allow armando to to heal up enough to to play um because carolina's going to need him they they were going to need him before the backcourt issues started you factor in the struggles of the backcourt. Carolina needs Armando Baycott on the floor, and then the biggest reason why is that look at the our start of the game, and it was rebounding. Carolina got out rebounded 39 to 25 by Virginia Tech. We've played nine games. We've lost the rebounding margin five times. It should take an entire season for the University of North Carolina.
0: To lose the rebounding margin five times. There have probably been seasons where Carolina has not lost the rebounding battle five times in a year.
1: And this has now happened in the first freaking month of the year. And look, Pete Nance has really stepped up the last two games. Back-to-back double-digit rebounding performances from Pete. I think he's maybe starting to figure it out, but we got to keep in the back of our minds... This dude's ceiling is nowhere near as high as Brady Mannix was. And he is, he, he is going to make some plays that are going to make you want to rip his head off. But 39 to 25 against Virginia Tech, a team that entered the game averaging north of just 35 rebounds per game. Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Leaky Black, all season long have been very good at getting to the glass. They, they've been very effective in that game, in that part of the game. Leaky Black, one rebound. Caleb Love, three rebounds. R.J. Davis, four rebounds. You, look, I can teach rebounding technique all day long. There's a technique to being a good individual rebounder. But a lot like playing defense, about 75 to 80% of it is effort. And there was no effort in that category of the game on Saturday for Carolina to go an entire half with no offensive rebounds this team should run suicides all week long they would show up to georgia tech exhausted because of how much they would run that's inexcusable that that's that's, that's inexcusable and it's it's really frustrating because a lot like our like like huber davis can't make armando baycott play He can't make them rebound. And five out of the nine games so far this season, this team has shown there is not the desire and the willingness to rebound the ball the way that we are supposed to, the way that we need to, to win games and be the type of team we were expected to be. And the most frustrating part of that statement is that this is the same group of players that told us one box out cost us a national championship. There should be no negotiations when it comes to that. We shouldn't have to question going in, is this team going to commit to rebounding the ball? Yet through the first nine games, here we are.
0: Yeah, it, there's, there's no other way around it. This team has been pathetic at times, rebounding the basketball. That first half yesterday was about as bad as I have seen Carolina on the glass in my entire time watching them play. It was just a team that got beat to every loose ball. It was a team that did not have positioning and I I don't it, there there really isn't much of a solution that you can have at this point for Carolina. There's no automatic solution for the Tar Heels to get better. It's just it's 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 not there because it's not guaranteed that Armando Baycock can get back to being the dominant force that he was last year. Something has seemed off with him the whole year. And look, it, it, part of it is is, is the injury that I, I think with the foot, they said that it is not connected to what happened last year. I find it hard to believe that foot pain is not connected to what happened last year. Because as far as we know, he did not have surgery in the offseason. Even if he did, it, it, it's it's still possible that it did not heal the all the way. It is the same foot and it could be a reaggravation so it is connected to what happened last year but kind of like when my knee just gave out when i went to my nba tryout so you were an absolutely pathetic rebounder as well that's what i'm picking up from that but no it's it, it, early even earlier in the season you saw games where the guards chipped in that didn't really happen in this game you didn't see a commitment at all and and that's that's the part If that does not reappear, the ability to take over games on the glass, you are going to start seeing people get frustrated with Hubert Davis and this staff. Now, part of that is I think that they still have to build depth in the middle because right now, I mean, the fact that Pete Nance pretty much had to play the five the entire game the other day shows you where you are at right now. Carolina just does not have the depth. On this team, it's not there. It's non-existent. Down low, they, they Will Shaver's not ready apparently. And the fact to me, I mean, the fact that he did not play at all the other night, I, I mean, that shows you just how far away he really is. And they did not feel comfortable with having Jalen Washington out there just yet. He's progressing. He's getting very close, but they're not at that point yet. So Carolina. They, they've got to get guys. These starters have to step up. Leaky Black has to become a guy that can get you 8, 9, maybe even 10 rebounds a night. Pete Nance, you, you just simply have to be better than you have been. You have to be more physical. We tell you this every single edition of the podcast, but there's no other way around it. It has to change or else the trajectory of this team is not going to change. I, I just... I said it after the first three games of the year that the thing that concerned me the most about this team was the way that they were rebounding the basketball. I thought that the game against James Madison may have been where they turned the corner. It wasn't. They went out to Portland. They struggled again on the glass. And now the last two games, they have gotten their butts handed to them on the glass at times they 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 fought they fought hard enough against indiana to close the margin but to get out rebounded by 14 in this game i don't care that you were without armando baycott this is just a team that right now does not have the physicality does not have the fundamentals to rebound the basketball well and that is just mind blowing to me very much indeed. Well, we're going to take a quick break.
1: We'll get you the latest offer from DraftKings. And when we come back, more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 80-72 to loss at Virginia Tech. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many games coming up, like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town, the Minnesota Timberwolves are in town, or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out guys right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings, go, go to the DraftKings sportsbook app now. Place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win, so whether you're betting on just a straight up win or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have. You can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage. Lots of good offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Get over to DraftKings. Use those promo codes. Make smart bets so you have some extra cash in your pocket for the holidays. I want to say this, and it's going to come across 100% disrespectful, and that's my intention. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, Justin Mutz is a really good basketball player. He's a really good ACC basketball player. There should never be a scenario that Justin Mutz is the best player on the floor in a game that involves the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. He scored 27 points on 12 of 16 shooting. He grabbed 11 rebounds. He handed out four assists, all in 38 minutes. Um, With the lineup Carolina was running, Pete Nance drew a lot of the assignment on the aforementioned Justin Mutz. I I do think that if we could go back and look at this thing differently, maybe maybe we put leaky black on him to try something different and leave and leave Pete Nance out there on an island. But Carolina needs more from its better players. And I think the thing that's really frustrating about this loss is Caleb Love and R.J. Davis played their best games combined so far this season. Love was 18 points. He shot 50% from the field in 31 minutes. He was efficient. R.J. Davis, 18 points, six of 11 shooting, better than 50% from the field. He was efficient. Pete Nance, 18 points, six of 13 from the field, 10 rebounds, gave you a double double. Was efficient in doing so, but it wasn't enough for Carolina. And you you would you would feel like it it was, but you got no points from Puff Johnson. A guy that I have campaigned that should start or would have started for me over Pete Nance if Armando Baycott were healthy. But I think he showed yesterday in just twelve minutes that he can't really play at the same time Leaky Black plays. Cause then you're playing three of three on five on offense. And then Leaky Black, like it's unfair to him to to be a more offensive player, two points but that's where carolina is right now is they need more from those guys uh-huh. because you got you got some admirable production from Seth Trimble and Tyler Nickel they combined for 14 points they both played tw- over 23 minutes in the game but carolina just simply needed more yesterday and And as much as I think it's unfair to ask them right now for for Love or Davis to take the game over, I think yesterday was a reason why, you know, there was so much hope and optimism. Was that in a game like yesterday, in a situation like yesterday, you would have the faith and trust in their ability to do so. And right now, they just don't have that extra gear that Justin Mutz got to, where he just simply took the game over and controlled the games at both ends and... You know, that's that's something that's gotta change. They gotta build off of what they did yesterday because that's the first time they've both played well simultaneously. But it all really amounts to nothing at the end of the day when Carolina walks out the loser not the winner.
0: Yeah, I, I mean they 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 have to see the floor more. There's no doubt about that. There's way too much talent from from their perspective on both ends of the floor. And, yeah, you're right. You're handicapped at times. I, I We mentioned that the other day, that there are times where you're playing three on five, and if, if Pete Nance isn't in a rhythm, it's basically you're playing two on five on the offensive end of the floor now with Armando Baycott not out there. And even when Armando is limped, you're still kind of playing two on five. So Carolina's got to find some guys that can start to put the ball in the basket because that is their biggest issue right now. The defensive issues that Carolina is having, if this team was scoring the ball, I'm not saying that you wouldn't be frustrated with those, but Carolina would be in a much different spot. They probably would have won another game in Portland, if not both of those games in Portland they would have competed and had a chance to win the game against indiana shots are not falling right now and really they're not even getting the opportunities leakey and 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 puff johnson not even getting the opportunity so if they are they are out there as guys that just cannot give you anything you have to wonder how how long can you actually leave these guys on the floor with just how much you, your, your guards are struggling to shoot the ball. I think you're right. You, you have to limit the time that the trio of Nance, Puff and Leaky Black are on the floor. You know, when when Armando comes back, you you will be able to do that to a certain extent, but I think even at the, even at times, you will have to have where you have three guards on the floor, mm-hmm. where you will have to play Tyler Nickel at times, instead of Leaky Black or Puff Johnson. Because right now, in order for this team to get in an offensive rhythm, they need guys to be able to shoot the ball better. But the ultimate thing is also, you got to move the basketball better. They did it, as I mentioned. I thought in the second half when they were making that run, they moved the ball a lot better. But it still was not great ball movement throughout the night for Carolina. And that has that has to change. Because one of the keys to Carolina's success is being able to move the ball better than just about anybody in the country. Carolina dropped to 353rd on assists on made baskets last night. I, I, I mean, I, I just, how, how do you even comprehend that? Two of the things that this program has seemed to be built on under Dean Smith, carried through Bill Guthridge, even at times with Matt Doherty, and then of course with Roy Williams, has been rebounding and ball movement. And right now, neither one of those are happening, and you're seeing how bad Carolina is struggling because that is not happening.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something that, you know, hopefully now that they've got a full week off and a a chance to really just look themselves in the mirror and they dissect the film, there's a direct, you know, correlation to a ball being moved and assist going to baskets and the other team winning. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's not that you can't win in the college game playing isolation basketball because you can. If you have guys with bona fide NBA talent, Carolina doesn't have that. They don't have a NBA first round pick on their roster today, and so it's really hard to to win when you want when you want to play that style. Um, I, I did want to focus a little bit on Seth Trimble and Tyler Nickel because I just thought their competitive fire I thought was something that really came through. You know, Seth uh, Trimble mentioned it in a post game interview with Adam Lucas that. Hubert Davis did challenge them and did kind of get into them uh, from a coaching standpoint, and I think they responded to that, and I think that's going to be important for Carolina is, you know, for some reason this team hasn't had the same fight, the same energy that we we thought they were going to have coming off the way last season ended. You got two young guys who are out there trying to scrap for minutes and carve them out a role, and that's something that when Carolina has that, it usually bleeds over – into the starters, and it really takes this team to a new level. But, you know, as as much as Armando's absence hurt Carolina yesterday, I wonder if in the long run it, it was beneficial because it, it gave Hubert Davis no choice. He had to play more guys in yesterday's game. And look, DeMarco Dunn breaking his left hand. He's going to miss several weeks. Highly unfortunate. Because it felt like Demarco had started figuring it out on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Made a big three in that second half at Indiana. Been a lot more willing
0: to guard than he was last year as a freshman. You were seeing what we saw in in the preseason start to yeah. start to carry over. Yeah.
1: And, and so you know, so him also missing this game and several games is only going to force Sheperd Davis's hand even more. But he had to put guys out there on the court. Styles even got eight minutes. Didn't do anything in terms of a uh, the stat sheet. Only grabbing a rebound and committing a turnover and 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 a foul. But Nickel and 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 Trimble, as much as they got to figure out on the on the offensive end, their willingness to compete defensively, I thought, was something that Carolina just needs because for some reason they're not competing on that end of the floor
0: like we thought they were going to like it, we expected them to it's just not consistent that's what it is is we've seen them defend well at times but you just haven't seen that be there for 40 minutes and look part of that is that you know for the for the two guards they're expanding so much energy on the offensive end trying to create shots because of how stagnant things are down there the other part of it is that you just simply do not have the depth all around to you know take some of the pressure off of your guys having to guard for 35 38 minutes. I mean, we've seen that this this looks a lot like last year in terms of the depth. And look, this game forced them to find a little more depth and hopefully you will see Seth Trimble and Tyler Nickel continue to make strides. The biggest thing to know is, of course, its growth is not always linear. So there will be times where these guys will look like freshmen. But I thought you they, – they brought energy the other night. And really right now, this is what Carolina needs. And they brought it – like you said, they brought it to both ends of the floor. When they came into the game, and part of it is that you started to – Go with the full core press. It, it it changed the game for Carolina, but I think just the energy that they brought overall—that press is has got to become a bigger part of what Carolina does. You have to at least throw it out. Well, my, like my, on my, and off. Like I get it. If teams are if teams are working effectively against it, but okay, you can get out of season. it. that's been my biggest frustration right. is that.
1: As much as they struggle with a with a double team when they're in their set defense, because for some some reason we don't want to commit to double team, we want to just you know hold hands together and sing Kumbaya. But when they when they press the ball, first off they make the opponent work the shot clock getting across the timeline. So by the time they break it, they're already down to at least twenty one, twenty two seconds. And I know eight seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it's 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 really important, especially in the college game, for teams that especially want to play at a at a much slower rate. A la, like Virginia Tech. Teams that don't want to run with you. And and so I, I feel like that's something where, you know, Hubert Davis always talks about we're gonna we're gonna be the enforcer. Okay. Then full court press. From the minute the game starts, no matter
0: what happens. We're going to show up, and we're going to press. Well, I, here's the here's the one challenge to that. I don't think that you have enough depth to be able to press for 40 minutes. Then you, I, I, I just You've that, got to be good enough
1: to defend and not foul.
0: Well, yeah, and, and it, one of the other things, look, they had done a pretty good job of that for the majority of the season. Broke down a little bit yesterday, but again, everything starts with stopping the ball. You cannot – it was so easy, and part of it was that – Virginia Tech was able to create off the turnovers that you had. You had five turnovers in the first stanza of the game. Before the under-16 timeout, you had five turnovers. What in the absolute hell are you supposed to do with that on the defensive end of the floor if you turn the ball over that often? It's just you put yourself in a bad spot. But you have to be able to quit allowing guys to drive to the lane so easy? Because you saw it again yesterday. It was drive the lane and finish, draw a foul, or drive the lane and kick for an open three. Yep. And their guys could knock down the shots. You've run into teams that have been able to knock down those shots. Meanwhile, on the other end, that's the type of offense that you should be running at times too, and you don't have the guys that can knock down the shots or that can even really make the passes – At this point Defensively, again, it's all about stopping the ball And it was an issue last year They got it corrected But here's my thing about this We say that about just Pretty much everything that we talk about here Except for really the, the, The ball movement And the rebounding Those weren't really major issues last year Ball movement at times early last year Was a little bit of a struggle But not the rebounding we we can't keep saying over and over again this is what happened last year and they got it together because the expectation i think in a lot of people's minds and to a certain extent i think probably the players minds is that we'll just we'll just rally and do it again you you can't bank on that you have to start changing things now because if you wait until as late as you did last year is there is there that team on the back end of the schedule that it's all of a sudden going to click against? Because you can't bank on it happening against Duke again. That game, remember everything that went into that final game of the regular season. You know, and 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 even, you know, Virginia Tech a little bit earlier, that was a crucial game that got you going. Do you have a game like that for sure that you know of on the back end of your schedule? It's just it's a dangerous recipe to be trying to do the same thing that you did a year ago, which I think is what this team's mindset has become. If Armando Baycott is out, it almost has to become that to a certain extent. But I think you have to do everything in your power if you are this team to not get to that point, to not have to suffer those types of conference losses. And look, Virginia Tech, I think, is a good team. I think they will make the tournament, no doubt about it. But they are not a team that if you are going to compete to win the ACC, that if you are going to get back into the conversation to be a top-four seed, you should be losing to. That's just where I'm at.
1: Yep, and it's, it's, it's something that, look, it's still not time to panic, even though it's four straight losses. It is just December. net ratings are out. Carolina still came in 39th despite not having a win over a a power five opponent to date. but there's there's still enough time to turn this thing around. Um, and, and hopefully that is that that is what is going to happen. Um, they got a chance starting next Saturday to get back in the win column and get the ship turned in the right direction. Well, no matter what happens, we'll be here covering it all for you on HeelToughBlog.com, where what a busy weekend for the site. We took you we we got you ready for the Virginia Tech game. Go back, check out the recap if you want to read more about that. We also had you covered for Carolina football in the ACC title game. Again, not the result we wanted. If you want to read about Carolina's loss to Clemson, you can find that out. You can find that on the website as well, but a lot of transfer, uh, transfer portal news for Tar Heel Football as nine guys are officially now in the portal. Ten. Now now we got, ten. We got ten guys in there. Every every player's decision to leave the program is broken down for you. Find all of that coverage and more on HeelToughBlog.com. And as for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. All you have to do is simply search us at the Four Corners Podcast where we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. Most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show during the basketball season. Now, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, Go Tar Heels! sweet of the man!